Right. Um, right, we're going to talk a little bit about Israel. Uh, uh, I think it will be good if you get... We will make this available just in the series, you know, with two CDs. So if you want... It's not going to work if you just get the one. So you're going to get both of them. Um, make sure that you order them afterwards and also for some friends that, that doesn't really understand the whole Israel thing. You know, there's a lot of, 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 of controversy about Israel. There's a lot of, um, you know, in the news. I hear now in the Joy magazine also they wrote something about Israel. And there's like a big thing with Woolworths, isn't it? My goodness. <laughs> well, I didn't even read any of those things. You know, I just look on television when I, uh, you know, in, in the Christ, Christian world, our people are just deceived when it comes to Israel. And, um, you know, I didn't want to speak out of the mouth of another person. So I went and I took the Bible and I, and, and I also went on the Internet and, and uh, listened to the arguments for and against it, uh, against, against Israel being the, 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 the people of God today and the church being the people of God and how the whole thing works and studied from both sides and, and just... Um, the way I see it, you know, that's what I want to just share with you guys. Um, if, if we look, uh, let's go to uh, yeah, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Now, in, in my study, what I found was that there are so many Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus, you know, concerning land, concerning, uh, um, you know, the state or, or, or the country, Israel, physical land. Uh, sometimes you can, in the reading of it, uh, uh, think this is physical. Sometimes you can see this is spiritual. You know, like Isaiah, I think it's 60-something, it, it says there that the, 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 the Jews will go, and, and, and that will, in, I think it's 60 or 66, it says the Jews will go, and they will be scattered everywhere, and um, then they will come back to, the, to, to Israel, and they will suck the milk of the breasts from the Gentile, the Gentile kings. Now, now we say, okay, it physically speaks about the returning to Israel, but when it talks about sucking the milk from the, from the Gentile kings, we say it's not physical. So now what's now physical and what's now spiritual? You know, so, and, and you'll be confused. Now, I understand grace quite well, but as I was reading those things, it's confusing for me at this stage. And what I felt in my heart was, um, the best way to interpret it was to see the mystery revealed. Because in those scriptures, there's a mystery. Okay? And to look at, the, at where it was revealed already. And Christ came and He revealed it for us. And the Apostle Paul came and he interpreted Old Testament prophecies for us to explain what God was meaning with Israel and what God was meaning with the Jews and all those type of things. Now, they, we can go through, uh, I was thinking, but I will not do it here. I will do it at home. Just do some, uh, some of the prophecies, you know, and, and in the studio record and, and just explain some of the prophecies, maybe uh, like 10 of, 10 of the chapters of Isaiah and just say, this is what I think this means or this is what that means. Okay, right. Um, let's go to... to um, to Romans 9, and we just look at what the Apostle Paul said about the, the whole thing about physical Israel, Jesus, and, and, and all of that. <clears throat> right, um, Romans 9 from verse 1. For those of you who haven't been here last time, um, I'm just going to repeat some of the stuff. It says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. 
For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So what he, what he said here, that he would rather see himself as being under the curse than the Jewish people. Okay. Now, that's, now just for saying that, Paul would have been stoned in some churches today. You can't say that. Do you want to say that the nation Israel is under the curse? You know? The, the, the Jewish people, not, you can't, you can never, and that's one of the things I said, you can never say all the Jews. Because the Bible says a remnant will be saved. Okay? A few will be saved. So, we talk about, and Paul also doesn't say all of them, he says most of them. doesn't say all, he says most of them. Do you want to say that most of the Jewish people are under a curse? Well, that's what Paul said. He said, I would rather be accursed from Christ. Now, what does a Jew, Jewish person understand to say accursed from Christ? It means to be accursed from the Messiah. That was a big thing for a Jew, to say that. I would rather be accursed from Christ than my kinsmen. In other words, the people of the physical genealogy, the, the whole physical thing. I'd rather be under the curse. So by saying that, he was actually saying that the Jewish people were under a curse. He goes further in Galatians and he says, Cursed is everyone that's under the law. So he didn't, he didn't pronounce the curse because of a physical uh, thing. It was not because they were Jews. That's not why they were under the curse. For cursed is everyone that's under the law. And the problem was that most Jew, Jew, Jewish people, even until today, choose to live by the law. That's why they're under the curse. Because there's no person in person that is cursed. The Bible says, call no person unclean. That is Jew or Gentile. You're not allowed to call anybody common or unclean. You're not allowed. Go and ask Peter. Acts chapter 10, he explains the whole thing. Here it comes. He saw the sheet, he saw the sheet coming down with all the unclean animals, and he says, God says, kill and eat. He says, I've never touched anything unclean. I will never do it, God. Then God says, Don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. So the moment God came and he washed away the sin of the world, the moment he did that, we couldn't call some people unclean because of their race or ethnic group anymore. You cannot do that. And that was not Paul's interpretation. That was not Peter's interpretation. That was the very word of God in a vision. God himself speaking. This was not even Jesus, if you want to work in ranks. You know, God the Father, Jesus, uh, the twelve apostles, and then Paul the apostle. This was now God speaking to Peter, saying... Call no person unclean. Nobody at all. And the promise to the Jewish people, if you, if you go and read in the Bible, it, it's, it's actually righteousness as a free gift, and then the Holy Spirit. That was the promise. That they will receive the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Spirit. You can read in the New Testament. It's so clear that there was a promise made. What was the promise? The promise was the Holy Spirit. Now there's, there's different promises to the Jewish people. We're going to look at the one now that has been fulfilled in um, Joshua, since Joshua 21, it has already been fulfilled. The promise about the land, okay, it's been completely fulfilled. And and even in Afrikaans, there it says that not one word God promised the, the the forefathers has not been fulfilled. Joshua 21, already everything already as God promised fulfilled. Okay, but then there was other promises outstanding, which the Bible says was made to Abraham and his seed, not as of seeds as of many, but his seed. 
Christ. So there was a promise to Abraham and to one person, Jesus. And we partake of that promise when we clothe ourselves with Christ by believing in Him. That's it. That's how the promise becomes ours. And that was the promise of the Holy Spirit. So here the Gentiles come in Acts chapter 10 and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now for a person to receive the very Spirit of God, I mean the Holy Spirit came on the high priest. (laughs) The Jewish people saw, I mean the the Holy Spirit would come upon the high priest or some prophets, which was this very holy high people. But here the Holy Spirit comes on the Gentiles just in the same way as when it came upon the Jews. The Spirit of promise. Saying that God sees no difference. We're not talking about interpretations here. We're talking about physical manifestation. It's not badly trying to twist the scripture or anything. We're just talking about what happened. The Jews received the Holy Spirit in the very same way as what the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. I I even want to say by just saying Jew and Gentile, it feels wrong. It, It just feels wrong. But like Paul said, you know, because of the dullness of people's minds, we must become fleshly to explain things. So we've got to come on the flesh level to try and explain what Christ has done to the people. And that's what Paul did as well. So here he comes, he says, listen man, these Jewish people are actually under the curse. Why? Because they're under the law. Now it comes, let's go to verse 5. This is Romans 9 verse 5. Sorry, verse 4 who are Israelites, to whom pertains the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. So here he says, the kinsman I'm talking about is actually these Jewish people. Not as though the word of God had taken no effect. So it was a common, very easy thing in that time to know that the, most of the Jewish people rejected Jesus. They said, we don't want him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. When Jesus was crucified, what shall we do with Christ? He's innocent. Let his blood be on us and our children. They shouted, wanted to crucify him. Kill him. Away with him. What shall we do with Barabbas or Jesus? No, no. Crucify Jesus. What has he done wrong? They don't want to give any reason. Just shout them all. Crucify him. The crowds, the people shouting, let him, let his blood be upon us and our children. Okay? Rejecting him. Now, does that disqualify the Jewish people from salvation? No. (laughs) They can still be saved. How? By accepting Jesus when before the last day when the last Gentile gets saved and we're going to look at that in Romans 11 okay not in some special way not in a thing of and listen this is this is the the whole theology that goes out is the gent God blinded the Jews so that the Gentiles can be saved Okay, then I, on Facebook, you know, there was, I've got some of my friends and we talk about the thing and just share some knowledge. So the one guy said, no, but God blinded the Jews so that the Gentiles can be saved. So then I asked this question. How can a Jew not believing in Jesus contribute to my salvation? 
So that blinding must mean something else. So that means that if the Jew believed in Jesus, then the whole Gentile world would have been lost. That's not true. Because the first sermon ever preached, 3,000 Jews believed. Okay? And the church in Jerusalem, they, like in church history, they estimated between 20 and 60,000 members of Jewish people that believed. It was such a big thing that, that, that James said to Paul, look how many Jews believe but they are still zealous of the law. So, my question is just practically, okay, if a Jew goes and he hears about Jesus, goes into his room and says, oh Jesus, I accept you, you are my Savior, how will that make that the Gentile that's a hundred miles from there is not going to get saved? So God says, oh no. So it's like, if they believe, then they cannot get saved. And then, I mean, it, just think logically. It doesn't make any sense. So we need to go and study out what it means that when the Bible says God blinded the Jews and their blinding meant the salvation of the Gentile. What is that? If we don't understand those things, man, you, you, you're going to be, I mean, you're not going to have, you're always going to feel like you're the fake Rolex watch. You look like the real thing, but God has got an apple of his eye, which is Israel, you know? And ons is maar net die hand langer. That just helps you in, the, in service to Israel. The, the Jew and the Gentile is defined by Christ. The other day I heard, a, a, for those of you that have not heard these teachings before, um, you know, some people, these, I, I find these days, they, I mean, they get saved under the grace message. <laughs> so they don't know about all these things we're talking about. But, if you look at, uh, I, I listened to a preacher, he also preaches grace. And then he said that um, there was these settlers in the Gaza area. And then America has put pressure upon um, the, the, the Jewish people to get these, these uh, uh, Israeli settlers out of the Gaza area. Because what they want to do is they want more Israelites to live in that area. Because the more of them that live there, they cannot cut the, the land off. Because there are people living there. It's like in the old South Africa. I mean, if a lot of blacks would come and live in the white areas, I mean, how are you going to say, how are you going to move them? It's going to be a war. It's not going to be possible. So now they want to live in that poor areas so that they cannot lose their land. And then America has put pressure so that those settlers could be removed. And then Hurricane Katrina came and hit America. And now, the, now, now it's being preached that if you want to take the Jews home, then God will take your home. The chief rabbi. Can, can you, you know, the chief rabbi is going to kill you. His name is Jesus. <laughs> my goodness. Now, my question then, I, I placed this as well in the writing there. I said, okay, let's say that is true. That means, because this is the verse quoted, if you bless Israel, then God will bless you. If you curse Israel, then God will curse you. But the way I read it in Genesis 12, I don't know, there might be some other places in the Bible. I mean, the Bible's a thick book. But the Bible says that if you bless Abraham, it doesn't say Israel, it says Abraham. Why Abraham? For he's the father of the faith. So if you bless the faith, by faith you've been made righteous. The father of by faith we are righteous, you'll be blessed. If you curse, by faith you are righteous, you'll be under the curse. 
And that I can understand. That makes New Testament sense. But to say today that I bless Jesus, I bless what is done for me, I believe completely in what is done for me, the curse has been removed from me completely, I'm under the very righteousness of God, I've been made the righteousness of God, and then say, well, I don't stand for uh, uh, apartheid in Israel, for instance. Then God says, listen, you've been blessed under a certain law called the law of the Messiah, but now you have transgressed a higher law, the law of blessing Israel. Placing the, 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 the man blessing Israel above Christ and his sacrifice. If you say that by not blessing a physical nation, I don't care what nation it is. I'm just looking at the principle here. And those that watch by the internet, we're talking about a principle here. The principle is, if I say that I'm blessed by Jesus, he became a curse that I can be blessed. And I then say, I stand under his blessing, and then say, if I don't bless a nation, that is more powerful than the blessing of Christ. Then you can say that a person that is an, an, uh, in Islam or any other religion that just blesses the right nation can be saved without believing in Jesus. Because there's a higher law. The law of blessing a nation. Do you see how this thing is just becoming warped? I always believed that. You know, the Jews were made blind so that we can be saved because it's written like that. But then I just asked myself, how can a Jew that don't believe, I can think if a Jew really believed, because the Jews that really believed the gospel preached to the Gentiles. Peter believed the gospel, didn't he? Yeah, he did. When he saw that uh, sheet coming down or whatever, then he preached to the Gentiles. If you go in Acts 15, you will see how Peter is fending for the Gentiles. Peter. That's why Paul said, uh, uh, God, Jesus said to Peter, I give to you, I give the keys of the kingdom. And what you declare as lawful on earth, what you unlock here must already be unlocked in heaven. If you read the original. So he came and he unlocked the door and said, this is a new thing now. The Gentile is not a Gentile anymore. They are the very people of God, chosen by God. God's children. That's what Peter said. Paul came and preached that gospel. He preached it so radically that he said that they should not obey the customs of Moses anymore. He preached it even to Jews that lived amongst the Gentiles. Acts 21. So the Jew that really believed preached to the Gentile. So how can a Jew that doesn't believe make a Gentile to be saved? No, no, if they could believe, the Gentiles would be saved. God was just talking about something else there, putting it in a different way. I want to just read on in Romans 9 and just explain this thing to you. For those of you that are here for the first time, this is a very technical message, but I just had to, I've, I've got to just finish this. Um, verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken no effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. I mean, how clear is that? They are not all Israel which are of Israel. No, Bertie, but we can, you can maybe get out of that, but let's take the next verse. That is, they which are children of the flesh, these are not children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. 
For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. So what he says here, not those that are children of Abraham. Physical children are called children of God. The promise was made, according to Galatians, to Abraham and his seed, not as of many, but as of one, Christ. So the promise was not made. The promise to Abraham was not made to the Jewish people. It was not made to the Jewish people. <laughs> it was not. God made other promises, but the promise to Abraham was not. God had promised him some land and whatever, and that was fulfilled. But the promise talked about, when it talks about Abraham, was the Holy Spirit, righteousness as a free gift. Amen. Right. Let's go on and read it. Uh, just read that uh, verse 7 again. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. Verse 7, the first part. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So because you're a child of Abraham, I mean, this is not interpreting any verse. This is just reading Bible. He says, if you are an Israelite, physical Israelite, doesn't mean you're part of Israel, the Israel of God. If you are of the physical seed of Abraham, doesn't mean you're a child of God. That's written there. But now we come and say, because of the physical seed of Abraham, if you're a Jew, which is actually a, 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 an Afrikaans, a Judeer of the lineage of Judah, or an Israelite, which was from the other, uh, the other nations, or not nations, what do you call it, Stamma, tribes, the other tribes, I mean, then you are now Israel. And then God made a promise to these Israelites. Listen, the Bible says we are part of a new covenant with better promises. With better promises. So, if you want to come to somebody, and that's what it says in Hebrews, if you want to come to somebody and you want to give him a promise from God, do you want to give him the weak promise or the better promise? What are we called to preach? The gospel of God's grace with better promises. For the other promise became a nothing in the light of the better promise. It became nothing. It actually became a curse in the light of the better promise. If, you, if I come to you and I say to you, listen, God promises you righteousness as a free gift and the kingdom of God. He gives to you for free or you can have a piece of desert in the middle of nowhere. What do you want? What's the better promise? The better promise. The better promise is I don't care where I stay. It's like with us. Let's talk about physical now. I, my forefathers come from Germany and um, Holland. Now where's my land now? Where's my land? Because when I came to South Africa, this land belonged to black people that lived here. Now where's my land? So I don't have a land. Where's my land that God gave me? Where must I live? I don't care. As long as what God lives in me. There's a better promise. Amen. It's not where you stay. It's who stays in you. That is what, what is the better thing. Okay? Um, so it says here, and, the, and I just wanted to, to, to emphasize that, that if you're of Israel, you're not an Israelite. 
it doesn't, it's not associated with Israelite. If you're of the, the seed of Abraham, physical seed of Abraham doesn't make you a child of God. John the Baptist said God can raise children of Abraham from these stones. You think that you are something because you're of the physical seed of Abraham. Listen, my friend. God counts that so nothing that he can take a stone and make a, a, a son of Abraham. Now, what do you think a Jew would feel if you say that to him? I can tell you now what some uh, uh, Zionists, Christian Zionists will say if you say that. They will say, you're mad. Do you want to say they're not they're the apple of God's eye? We're just a servant in the house. No, no, no. We're defined by Christ. Not by our ethnic group. And I like what it says. It says, herein is the promise. God said, in such and such a time, Sarah will become pregnant and have a son. Now, what was the promise therein? Because that looks like the physical thing. What he was actually saying, the message translation said, says beautifully, he says that God made a promise that superseded the physical. So the promise was not of the physical. God said, in such a time you shall have a child. And that time would be outside physical ability. And then God came, as with, even with is it Rebecca, he, said, he made another promise. He says, I promise you that the elder shall serve the younger, which was also outside of the physical. That was not the physical norm. Because God chose that it will not be by flesh, but by His promise. So here he comes, he says, listen, this is the promise of God. The promise of God is, it will be, the, 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 the elder shall serve the younger, and the younger shall be blessed. Now we take it into a genealogy thing, but what God was trying to say is, this is not a genealogy thing. This is a promise thing. Can't you see, I just decide. I just decided that Abraham will have a son on that time. I decided that the um, younger or the elders will serve the younger. I decided. God didn't do that to control people. He did that as a, a type and a shadow of showing that we shall not stand before God through our own ability, but we will stand by His power. That's what he's trying to say. And that's what Paul's trying to say in, the, in what he writes here. Right, the elders shall serve the younger, verse 12. As is written, Jacob have I loved and Israel have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but of him that shows mercy. Clearly, verse 17, For the scripture says unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore has he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will harden, uh, um, and whom he will harden, hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why, uh, why does he yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? No, but, O man, who are you that you reply against God? Shall the thing formed say unto him that forms it, Why have you made me this way? Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel of honor and another of dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endures with much long suffering the vessel of wrath fitted for destruction, and has... Um, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessel of mercy, 
which He has afore prepared unto glory, even us whom He has called, not of Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Now, that's a very important verse. Let's take verse 24 in the message translation. Click on 24 first. Click on 24 first. No, no. Um, on, on Romans 20. Yes. Net eerst klik, anders gaan hy weer na vers 1 toe. Right. Let's read from verse 22. It says, If God needs one style of pottery specially designed to show His anger and displeasure, and another style carefully crafted to show His glorious goodness, isn't that all right? Either or both happens to Jews. Listen to this. Either or both. Either or both what? Either a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor happens to Jews. Both of them happens to Jews. So you can find a Jew that's a vessel of honor and a Jew that's a vessel of dishonor. In that he declares that he is not, it is not about a nation. It's about something else. Okay? And, uh, and uh, um, verse 24. Either or both happens to Jews, but it also happens to other people. So in other words, what he says, either or both happens to Jews, or either or both happens to other people. So you're going to find other people that believe in Jesus and that are a vessel of honor and other people that are a vessel of dishonor. And you're going to find Jews that are a vessel of honor and Jews that are a vessel of dishonor. So God from one lump made two pots. One for honor and one of dishonor. Now how did He make that? I want to explain that making. It is not God deciding beforehand, listen, you now, I harden you so you will not be able to believe my gospel. No, no, the Bible says don't harden your hearts like in the day of provocation in Hebrews. Who's, <laughs> don't harden your heart. So when God comes and what God did in Christ will harden people. A very good example. There was a man. He hired people to work in his vineyard, the Bible says. One he hired at six, the other one at twelve, and the other one at six just in time to be paid. Child time. Then he paid the last one first to show his goodness. For he didn't qualify by works because God wanted to be good to all people. So he said, let me pay this man that has not worked first so that I can show to everybody how good I am. Then those that worked from the beginning came and they were hardened by the master. Then the master said, are you angry because I am good? So the master made them angry. How? By being good. So how was the Jew hardened? (laughs) By seeing how good God is. There's another parable. Very good parable. A guy had two sons. An older and a younger. Then the younger came and said, give me my inheritance. And he abused it. And went away. And the elder was working for the father. Then the younger came back. And the father was good to the younger. And what happened to the elder one? He didn't want to come in. He stood outside. Why? For he hardened his heart. For his father was good to the brother. It was not the father having some mystical black magic working in the heart of this older son so that he cannot accept. No, no. 
Out of one lump, one thing, out of all these people, God did one good thing, and by that one good thing He did, one kind of people was hardened, and others was, was, was received the love of God. In the one, God shows His wrath. What is the wrath? Anger towards the law system and human righteousness. And the other one, God shows His mercy by saying, if people just rely on me and my ability, I save them. And this happens to Jews and Gentiles. Verse 24. So this thing that some people will accept and some people will reject is common amongst the Jewish nation, the Israelites, and it's common amongst the heathen. That's it. Okay. Yes, it's the very same thing. Here he comes to Pharaoh. He says, listen, Pharaoh, I'm going to be good to these people by letting them free from your bondage. That hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Imagine you've got slaves working for you. Millions of them. You, you see, I, I understand that. And that's why I understand the confusion. But and in my study, when I read that, I saw, but this happens to both people. When I saw it happen to both people, I found that God couldn't harden a nation. Because then you will find not one Gentile ever be hardened against the gospel. But it is the gospel that hardens people. So God hardens by using a tool, which is the gospel. That's how hardening happens in the hearts of people. It's a stumbling stone. There's a stone of, over which people will stumble, which is Christ. It's the last verse there. If you go and read um, Isaiah 54, you will see that the, God says, I am the one that, that makes the... Let's, let's go to, I think it's Isaiah 54. Uh, sorry, 45. Let me just find it quickly. Now, I want to just explain this. Um, was it Jeremiah? I can't remember now. This is going to be interesting. I think it's, it, it is Isaiah 54, where, where God says, I'm the one that creates the devourer. Is it 54? Yeah, here it is. Verse 14. Isaiah, Isaiah 54 from verse 14. Now listen to this. Isaiah 54 verse 14. Okay, there it is. Uh, King James, yeah. Right, it says, In righteousness shall you be established. You shall, uh, um, thou shalt be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Behold, they, sh they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire, and that brings forth the instrument um, for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Okay, so here he says, God created the waster to destroy. That verse is used to show, uh, there are people that preach that God made the waster to destroy. And that's what it says. That's how it says it there. But if you read the context, he says, listen, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They come, but not of me. 
The next verse says, I've created the destroyer to destroy. So it contradicts the, uh, just the verse just before that. But the true meaning is actually, he, create, he created the destroyer who destroys. So there's a destroyer that destroys, that will come against you. God made this destroyer. He's the destruction in him he didn't make. I mean, like me, I've, I've got three sons. I've made three sons. Let's say, and I know it's not going to be like that, but let's say one is a destroyer. Then I say to my other son, listen, I love you, and anything that comes against you shall not prosper. And if that destroyer comes, who could be one of my sons, don't worry, I've created him. I'm above him. That's a way of saying I'm the father of him. I'm greater than him. I've made him. I'll go and talk to him. That's it. Caused. And that's Isaiah, I think it's 46 or, or Jeremiah, I'm not sure, where he says there, I make, uh, uh, I, I'm the one that makes the people blind and make them see. I'm the one that creates darkness and brings forth light. So how does God create darkness? If I come in here today and I say to you, listen, Islam is light, then I've just created darkness. And all of you are in darkness, if it's the truth. None of you understand what I'm saying. And then he says, the next verse in, in, in Isaiah somewhere, I think it's Isaiah, he says, the next verse says, Righteousness rain down. Why do you strive with your maker? He decided, it's, it's just exactly the same thing, he decided that you'll be righteous with, uh, for a free gift. Now you are striving with, his, with your maker. Woe unto him that strives with his maker that says, why have you made me like this? Righteous free from my works. Your works does not have hands. That's what the verse says there. Your works does not have hands. So what you do don't need our contribution. Why? Striving with the maker. For there's a desire in some people to stand before God and before themselves with works righteousness. And that cannot work. If I go today to the Dutch Reformed Church and I say to them, Listen, I want to just tell you, praying in tongues is of God. Am I speaking the truth? Of course. Do I create a lot of trouble? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a troublemaker. And that's, that's what it says there. When I say that, I will immediately find I've created from one lump two types of vessels. One of honor and one of dishonor. But I've just done one thing, I preach the truth. And that's what happened here. And that's why Paul says here that the, unfortunately most of the physical Israelites fall into this thing of, I don't want to believe in Jesus. And therefore, they're under the curse of the law. That's it. Okay, let's go on. You must just go and study this in, 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 the, in the light that I've um, shared here. And uh, even with, God chose that He will have mercy. That's it. God chose that He will have mercy. God chose that the slave will be free. And he said, I will harden you, Pharaoh. How will he harden you? He's going to be so good to the slave that Pharaoh's heart will be hardened. How was it? I mean, what was the first thing Moses said to Pharaoh? The first thing. 
Let my people go. Hardened him. How can these slaves be free? That's not right. They are slaves. A slave cannot go free. The message of let the slave go free will harden certain people. That's it. So it was not as if God hardened him and then made him hard. No, 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 no. By just saying, let the people go, he was hardened. In the old South Africa, if you come and you say to the, 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 the government, let the blacks go, you'll harden them. Rebellion, more police, guns. The whole thing, that, that's, not a, that's just a physical thing. It's got nothing to do with God hardening somebody. Or whoever there was. I don't know the history so well. Verwoord. It was not God hardening verwoord. If you just come and say, let them go. If you come and say that these blacks and coloreds are the same as us. They're not slaves, they're free. Yes. Make them mad. Yeah. You become so, so angry. You know? That's the same thing. It's the way people work. So God hardened Pharaoh. How? By having mercy on the slave. God hardened the Jews. How? By saying to people, you don't have to be saved by your works. God hardened the Jew. How? By saying that being of the lineage of Abraham means zulch. Makes them mad. And some church people. That's how they get hardened. And what happens today is we're sending money to Israel. We're sending money to these people. Listen, man. Rather just support the gospel that's being preached. Be it to a Jew or a Gentile or whatever. Support preachers. Don't send money to rebuild some temple. I tell you now, that is a sin. It's a greater sin than sleeping around. For you are rebuilding the thing that God destroyed. Jesus said, this whole temple will be broken down. He prophesied that not one stone will stand on another. For God does not live in a temple built by hands. And now the church, the people in whom God lives, sent money for a building so that God can go and live in a building. You are tramping underfoot the very blood of Christ by which you are saved. You cannot do that, church. That is wrong. That's a transgression. That is breaking the law of liberty. It's breaking the law of liberty. The Bible says, judge, clearly in James, it says, walk as those that will be judged by the law of liberty. So if you want to come and say, I stand before God. He's going to pull out a law and judge me. And that law will be the law of liberty. Am I going to be found under the law? Or under... What law is he... He's going to pull out a law and says, I want to just judge you. Now, he says, walk as though you will be judged. So if you want to know how to walk in this life, there will be a law of liberty. That law sees as if you are walking in liberty or if you are walking by works righteousness. So you're going to be judged by that law. Are you going to be caught in the works of the law of Moses or not? 
If God must come today and pull out a law, the law of liberty, whereby the Bible clearly states there's no more Jew, Greek, Gentile, male, female, nothing. And we must be judged by that in today's church. How many people will be found guilty of breaking the law of liberty by bringing in the law of bondage? For saying there's a nation, a, spe- a specific nation being the people of God. That's not liberty to the, to the non-Gentile. Do you, do you think it's liberty? If I've got, imagine I've got two children. I say to the one, I just want to say to you, you're the apple of my eye. And I also like you. <laughs> That's not in line with love. Under the Old Testament, we were called dogs. But now we're called the children of God. With the children of God. And let no preacher with a big church with a loud voice steal that from you. It was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. I don't care how big a person's church is, and I, I want you to know that. Paul also said that. He said there are people that come in here, they seem to be very, be very big apostles and all those type of things. But if it's not the true gospel of His grace, let him be accursed. Amen. It must be the gospel of grace. Right. I wanted to read um, just the one verse here in... Where did I write it? Got so many... Joshua 21. Yeah. Joshua 21 verse 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel. Listen to this. There was a promise made. There's another teaching. Now God made a promise concerning land for Israel. Listen to this. Which they say must still be fulfilled. Listen to this. And the Lord God gave unto Israel all the land which He swore to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according um, to all that He swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand and failed not. And failed not um, of any good thing which the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. So now, I mean, do you think that. Ek meen, daar is nie geskryf om maar die, die, die ouwe het geskryf wat Rijs Krispies geëet het. It was inspired by God, man. Amen. That was not just, I just feel like writing something. I mean, does that verse mean anything? It is God. Now, God made a promise then, and 6,000 years later, He still not fulfilled it. Waiting for some reason. There it's fulfilled. If I give my child a car, I say, I promise you a car when you're 18. And I give him the car when he's 18. And he messes it up when he's 19. Have I fulfilled my promise? Is that car still his car? Yes, it's a broken car. But it's his car. Forevermore. Because the promise says, forevermore, that land will be their land. Then after that they walk in unrighteousness, didn't serve God, lose the thing. So is it, has God still given that land? Forevermore. 
But if you want to waste it, that's your problem. If you want to be so stingy, money-orientated, and reject the very Messiah, be so hardened in your pride as a nation that you cannot, uh, I mean, you just hate the, 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 Roman, the Romans, <laughs> they're going to destroy your city. Jesus prophesied it. As simple as that. And I believe after that prophecy, all the other prophecies that came, this is my opinion, it's just a type and a shadow of Christ. It talks about land, when it talks about any of those things. Every prophecy in the Old Testament had a physical interpretation, everyone. When it talks about Satan, it talked about a physical king. When, when, when uh, uh, Isaiah prophesied, there was, he was prophesying about certain situations round about that everybody understood. But it had a spiritual interpretation as well. Go and read the book of Revelations. It clearly states, I think in Revelations 11, that uh, um, Sodom, East Egypt, East Jerusalem, where our Lord Jesus was crucified. It says, spiritually interpreted, this is what the, John says, spiritually interpreted, Sodom, East Egypt, East Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified. So, if we spiritually interpret Jerusalem today, where it is now, it speaks of Sodom. Sodom. Ready for brimstone. <laughs> we say the blessed people of God. You cannot call that law system blessed. You cannot call, let me tell you now, you are, it, it's a sin man, to call the law system and flesh blessed before God. When Jesus said that no flesh shall be justified before God. Now I say no, that flesh is justified before God because they are a Jew. Because they circumcised in the flesh, they're the very people of God. It's wrong. I tell you now, it's wrong. It's wrong. I know some people can watch me over the net and be angry, but talk to God, you'll hear what I say is the truth. It is. I am convinced. Jesus Christ came, and the gospel was preached. Okay, to everybody. Okay, now, the same thing, in the, and, and, and let's, let's end off with this quickly. Um, there are so many other verses. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15 clearly says, He made out of two people groups one new man. There was Gentiles, there was Jews. It's you that were Gentiles. You were afar off at a time, but He brought you nigh and made out of the two one new man, which is Jesus. Um, then he goes to Colossians chapter 3 as well. Let's go to Colossians 3.11, uh, Eliana. Colossians 3.11. Okay, look at that there, uh, 10 first, sorry. Okay, and he's put, and he's put um, okay, and he has put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge of the image of him that created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So when he put on Christ, if you say, I put on Christ, the Messiah, then there is neither of these things anymore. So when you think from the Christian perspective, you cannot define a physical nation Israel. It's impossible. You can define the spiritual one, the one that's put on Christ. Yes, that's what, it's, what it says clearly, um, clearly there. Uh, let's go to Romans 2, verse 25. 
look at the Apostle Paul. For circumcision, circumcision verily profits if you keep the law. But if you be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made an uncircumcision. <laughs> now, who can keep the law? So he says to the Jew, he was writing to the Jew, he says, you think you're the people of God, you're not. Now, what did the Jew believe about uncircumcision? They're the cursed. They're the heathen. They're the dogs. He said, if you are circumcised and you don't keep the law, your circumcision became an uncircumcision, you're equal to a Gentile. So if I go today and I stand here on a public platform, the whole world can hear this. If I say, listen, if you are circumcised, if you have the physical Israel and you don't keep the whole law, you're a Gentile in the eyes of God. Then people are angry. But I mean, the Apostle Paul said it. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it um, fulfill the law, judge you, who by the letter are, and circumcision does transgress, transgress the law? Verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. Some people, who are the Jews? Who are the Jews? Now, we are labeled as the replacement theory. We have not replaced anything. The true Jew before God has always been the believer. But that is now replaced with a physical nation. Israel. And that, that's the replacement theory that I think people are actually using. Saying that the church, or I don't want to say the church, the believer... See, the problem is we are labeled as Christians. We should not be called Christians. That's what the heathen people called the church. We should be called believers. The believer is the seed of Abraham, for he was the first believer. He believed, and it was accounting for righteousness. Now we believe. And we've got Father Abraham, for he was the first one. We are of his seed, for we believe in Christ. We are believers. Amen. I don't want to say the, the church has replaced Israel. I want to say the believer is the Israel of God. And not he that's of physical lineage. And I've got ample scripture to prove it. And I don't need any scripture. It's just common sense. The people of God are those that are born of God. Let's read John 1.12, please. I've read this verse, I think every, every service I read this one. But this is an awesome verse. It says, John 1 verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Who has got the power to become a son of God? Those that believe, that, that received Christ. Even, that would even, can you also replace with the word, these are those, to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who are the sons of God? Those that believe in God. 
They are the sons of God. They find their life, who they are. Their the, the very existence is born from the very being of God. Amen. Now I want to end off with Romans 11. Romans 11. And let's go to verse 25. I hope it's the right verse. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 25 and 26 is a big, big, big problem with people. It says um, in verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of the mystery, lest you should be wise in your own um, conceits, um, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it's written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away the ungodliness of Jacob. Okay, so what he says here. He says they will be blinded, Israel will be blinded, until the last Gentile comes in. Okay, when is that? Until Jesus comes back. Okay, and how will the Jew be saved? It doesn't say, just read the word there, it doesn't say in verse 26, and then all Israel shall be saved. It says, and so... So it's talking about the method. Now here, and so shall all Israel be saved. So the, the Jews will be blind all the time. Okay? And I will, like I've explained it, blindness now, by the law. Like if you're under the law and you want to be under the law, you will be, you'll stand in blindness. Until the last Gentile comes in, okay, you'll be blind. And that will be until the end of time. And how will the Jew be saved? And so shall the Jew be saved. As is written... There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer. Who's that? Jesus. When did He come? <laughs> he came before, before that was written. Before Paul was even born. He came, the Deliverer. So how will the Jew be saved? By the Deliverer that came out of Zion that died for their sins, calling upon His name and you shall be saved. That's how they, so shall they be saved. He was explaining the whole process, I don't have time now, in Romans 11, on how the Gentile gets saved. They get saved by Jesus that come and they that believe. This is Romans 11, Romans 10, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Okay? Now he comes here and he explains how the Gentiles are now saved. How are they saved? By believing in Christ. So, so and this, by this gospel message of grace, the Jewish people were blinded. I think I'll talk about what blindness means next Sunday. What it means to be blinded. The Bible says we are blinded by the law. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. The God of this world, which is the law, has blinded people. People are blinded by works righteousness. If you believe in works righteousness, you are blind to the gospel. So the Jews were blinded by this message. It was too good. It was just too good for them. So they were blinded so that we can be saved. How, what had to happen for us to be saved? Jesus had to come. Grace had to be revealed. Mercy had to come. When grace, mercy came, then the Gentile could be saved and the Jew. So shall the Jew be saved. How? By believing in Jesus. That's how the Jew shall be saved. No other way. No other way. No flesh can ever be justified before God. So, can the, so shall the Jew be saved. Amen. Now listen to this, and this is explaining the whole thing. As concerning to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. 
but as touching the election, they are beloved for the, for, uh, the, the beloved of the Father. Amen. Last verse there, verse 28. As pertaining to the gospel, they cursed. They're enemies of you as pertaining to the gospel. But as pertaining to the promises, they're beloved. So if I take out the law, they'll be seen as beloved, the blessed, and we'll be seen as the cursed. If I take out the gospel, the believer is the blessed, and the law guy is the cursed. So how will this law guy be saved? How would we be saved when we were Gentiles, when we were under the law system? You had to be circumcised. You had to have the whole Jewish ritual thing to become part. Okay? Now God has turned the thing around. How will they be saved? I had to be engrafted into the Jewish system by circumcision and baptism and all the washings and everything as a Gentile to become a Jew. Then, Now how will they now become? They have to be engrafted. How? By believing. The problem in Romans 11 was the Roman people believed that the Jews can never be saved again. Then Paul said, listen, this is not true, for I am the proof. I, Paul, am I'm the proof that we can be saved. But how was Paul saved? He believed on Jesus. And so shall all Israel be saved. How? That's it. When the light of the gospel came, Paul became physically blind. The Bible says, and, and people sat in darkness, and a great light came. But they loved darkness rather than the light. So they were blinded by the new definition of light. They say, we, I mean, it's so clear in the Old Testament, Jesus said, you say that you are the light of the Gentile. But you're a blind leading the blind. <laughs> you say you're the light of the Gentile. In the old, they were. They were the salt. But what do you do with salt when it loses its flavor? Chucked away, tramped underfoot. This whole nation thing means nothing. Amen. God doesn't have a special place for any ethnic group whatsoever. It is by the choice of God. And He has chosen that we'll be blessed by His doing and no other doing. Go and love the Jew, the physical Jew by preaching this gospel to him. If he doesn't want to hear, take your, your, your shoes, dust it off, and go home. You don't have to suck up to a Jew to be loved by God. I'll say it again. You don't have to suck up a Jew's rubbish to be loved by God. For God so loved the world that we blessed the Jew. No, no. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And now that love is all built on the platform. If I send money to Israel, if I speak well of the Jews, or whatever. No, no. Let's speak well of every man. Let's speak well of every person. For God paid the same price for all. Hallelujah. Amen. If you've got any questions, send them. If I can answer them, I will. Amen. <laughs>